0: Hello and welcome to Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. I'm going to go ahead and call this Episode 1. I'm going to do something different every week and it's going to be sort of a stream of consciousness, but outlined stream of consciousness, discussion of the topic at hand that I will organize into categories from relationships, finances, things that you'll see on my website www.chrisbercher.com. C-H-R-E-S-B-U-R-C-H-E-R The headquarters for all of these things and I'll be releasing these as weekly podcasts and videos uh, essentially being the same material depending on which format you like supported with a little bit of blog information on the website Um, Please, uh, if you you like this I'm not going to beg you to do anything you don't want to do or feel uncomfortable doing but uh, you can subscribe to these podcasts on your favorite podcast provider You can subscribe to the YouTube channel uh, you can um, fill out the form on the website to receive uh, weekly um, email updates, letting you know there's a new episode or whatever. But you do whatever you want to do. I, I hope that you choose to participate. What I'm really looking for is a dialogue. Uh, I discuss, you know, I want to learn from you. I have the, I have ideas about topics that are important to me and important to most people. I hope are important to people like you. Um, But I want to uh, learn more about what other people think. Uh, I'm I'm only me. Um, So I'm going to present my ideas based on stories, experiences, my understanding of topics, um, put it out there for for people to comment on it. And that's really what I'm looking for um, from you. And I appreciate that. But you do whatever you feel like doing. I just appreciate the fact that you clicked on something um, because you're curious. Okay, the topic today... I'm not sure what to call it exactly, but I'm going to lump it under uh, philosophy or science or something like that. Um, and the idea is that um, what we hear in the news today, it's August 2019, uh, is this uh, this concept of um, fake news or alternate truths or personal truths. Uh, I've heard that used by people before, live your truth, <clears throat> and, and the sort of... Um, movement away from accepting science as a legitimate means of uh, coming to the decisions or making decisions or, or finding evidence for, uh, to answer questions. Now, somewhere inherent in all this is a natural curiosity. In my personal story, uh, I've got several personal stories, but my personal background is that I became a scientist. I started college out um, in the Department of Philosophy, wanting to get an undergraduate degree in philosophy, And for some reason, well, one, I was overwhelmed because there were so many smart and well-informed philosophy students uh, in that program that I felt like I had absolutely no idea and sort of panicked, coupled with my dad telling me that I really needed to do something in college that would get me a job, and the only job that seemed like was at the end of the line for philosophy was being a professor at a college. I didn't think I wanted to do that, so I changed my major from something... Um, very esoteric and sort of open-ended free thinking to something very applied, which was fisheries and wildlife management, thinking I would become some government employee uh, managing wildlife or fisheries resources, which is funny because looking back, well, number one, I ended up (laughs) getting a terminal degree and becoming a college professor which is what I said I wasn't going to do, and looking back on it, I really sort of wish, not that I have any regrets, that I would have just gotten a PhD in philosophy, because I think I would have really dug that. <clears throat> but anyway, so I have this sort of natural curiosity that I was trying to feed, that I, that I still have, and I think defines a big part of who I am. But then I took a track uh, in ecology, you know, sort of a, um, a natural science, of really understanding what science is as a means to answer those questions. And at the end, I think I sort of represent both schools of thought from, um, you know, asking maybe potentially unanswerable questions to sort of um, organizationally or, you know, following a very strict approach toward answering questions limited by our senses. Um, And and what I mean by that, and I'll go ahead and establish this, and I'm going to throw up some graphics here in a minute. You know, we have to remember that as humans, we are restricted by our biological capacity to interpret our environment. You know, ecology is the study of biological organisms living in their abiotic and biotic environment. We have senses, the ones we commonly think about, sight, smell, hearing, uh, vision, taste, uh, touch, taste. That's how we receive information from our environment, obtain information from our environment, it's all fairly mechanical tactile nervous and then it's interpreted by our brain but what i think we forget is that that's not a the whole of the information surrounding us that's available to us nor are our particular means of interp- of receiving these signals our receptors in our brain the, the, necessar- the, 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 the entire picture. It's just one way of doing it. And for an example, I'll give you a couple of examples. One, think about the compound eye of an insect. It's an eye. It interprets light information through the insect's brain, but they see things completely different than we do. For example, they can perceive the infrared um, portion of the light spectrum, whereas all we can sort of see is what we call visible light. Well, it's visible light, because we're humans, it's visible to us. Now, other things may be able to perceive the other elements of the light spectrum, but we call it visible light because that's what we can see. That doesn't mean that's the whole, um, um, the extent of the ability for biology or any other thing to interpret light. That's just how we do it. It's a very human-centric um, I, uh, concept of interpreting information, and I think. We have to remember that that's how everything that we know is in this realm of things that we are able to understand based on the limitations of our sensory machinery. So the way I sort of set this up, step back a minute, is there is a sphere of this Venn diagram idea of that which we know. Um, as individuals, we maybe have a small little sphere. Those are the things that we know. And, th- and that can expand. And ideally, I think that should expand as we age, as we mature, and we know more things. I think that's kind of a natural progression. Uh, maybe that's the wrong way to do it. I don't know. That's what I'm doing. Maybe knowing more is not necessarily good. That's for another podcast. Um, and then this is this circle is within another circle that I'll call the unknown. Uh, These are the things that we don't know. For example, I can't fly a plane. Um, I have a couple ideas about generally how it works, but I can't do it. So my, you know, the 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 flying a plane capacity is for me outside my circle of known and in the circle of unknown. It's something that other humans can do. I probably could do it if I really wanted to do it. Uh, Maybe that's arrogant. I don't know, but you get the picture. I don't know much about eye surgery. Um, or ear surgery, or whatever. That's within the realm of known. Other humans know it. It's something that we have the capacity to do. Now, I think most people, and, you know, the average person, whatever, sees that as the extent of the world. That unknown is the the maximum extent of everything. And, you know, eventually a person can field of known, like, say, Einstein or whomever, that those circles merge upon one another and sort of get really close and smarter people know more and their known circle is you know, only slightly smaller than the unknown circle. What I think people forget is that there's a whole other sphere, and it could be infinite, I don't know, that I'm going to call the unknowable. It's simply uh, um, phenomena, phenomena that are beyond the scope of our understanding as primarily limited by our ability to receive information from the universe and interpret it with our brains. Our machinery is necessarily limiting. Um, and this, this opens up the doors for a lot of things like for, for just to for throw it out there as an example, extrasensory perception. Now, now say you know, um, someone developed some capacity to interpret information um, in a way that it doesn't involve our senses uh, maybe some sort of feeling mechanism, some sixth or seventh unknown sense. Uh, maybe that's a real thing. Maybe that information is out there. Another example I'll give um, is my, one of my favorites is right now, wherever you are, right here where I am, there are radio waves and other waves, uh, my home Wi-Fi, moving about through the air, about, uh, of which I'm completely ignorant. Because I don't have a router or a you know some sort of Wi-Fi receiving device in my head, and I don't have a radio receiver in my head to interpret that information. Um, and this came about, I'm going to go ahead and say this, and I've never researched it or figured out if it's true, but I seem to remember reading about something where this is true. When I had braces, when I was a kid, probably 12 or 13 years old, I remember hearing music in my head and I knew immediately upon hearing it that it wasn't coming from a radio nearby or far away. It wasn't coming from a stereo, it wasn't playing. It was vibrations I felt in my face. Um, and, I, and I read uh, later, and it was just sort of weird and I sort of experienced it. And I think I maybe even wondered if that, you know, is that somehow are my braces acting like some radio and, and vibrating and picking up this frequency and, and the trans- translating that to music in my head. I still don't know. It sounds crazy, I know, but that's the the type of thing I'm talking about. There is... back up one more step. I look at these relationships and I'm talking about fundamentally as a very basic relationship. There's a stimulus and then there's a receptor. There is information that exists and then there is a way to interpret that information. Without this receptor, this is meaningless. And all I'm saying is our bodies are set up with a limited and finite set of receptors able to receive and interpret information from a finite number of sources. That defines our capacity, and maybe we can grow and change and learn new things, but status quo, August 2019, our capacity to interpret the world, the universe, our surroundings, our partners, is limited by that machinery. All right. So, um, when we get into this idea of truths, you know, what is true, uh, what is fact, what is known, it's in, all I'm saying, number one, is inherently limited by our ability to interpret it. So there's this whole other set of stuff that we might not even be able to comprehend in that way. Now, maybe there's another way to do it, but we haven't discovered yet. Um, and so, it, it, I look at the world as there being these fundamental facts or truths and all those words are weird because um, I'm not even sure they have meaning anymore Um, but there are realities that exist that we can come to have a relationship with and some things exist regardless of our opinion. Um, I used to use the idea of gravity as sort of being something um, that existed that we all sort of know existed and we didn't really need to question anymore or have any more evidence and that was sort of the easiest fundamental truth for everyone to sort of say, that's real. We all agree. Um, and as much as that is a consensus and, and that consensus is meaningful, we can all say that that's the truth or that's fact or that's um, reality. Uh, but it's funny that nowadays this whole concept of gravity is actually being questioned that we may not even understand it the way that we think we understand it. So, so I just think it's hilarious that I, am not just me, everybody sort of uses that as the go-to example of something that's proven or fact that we all uh, accept, and, and in reality we don't even really understand how it works. Uh, but anyway, uh, that begs a, or, or, or brings up another example um, <clears throat> of what is proof. Now, one other thing I learned in science is that we never really prove anything. All we can do is come to this consensus idea where everybody sort of agrees, yeah, that's real, that, and this is the best explanation that we can come up with or or system of understanding about how that works. At any given time, just like the gravity example, that can completely go away. We are probably wrong about a lot of the things that we think we have proven. And in reality, I'm going to argue that we really don't ever prove anything. All we can do is come to some consensus of agreement and say, yeah, we all believe as a species that this thing is real. And so we're going to call that fact. Um, Okay. So all those words are words we made up, again, limited by all of our senses, limited by our language, limited by our abilities. And this form some circle of facts, truth, proof, whatever. It doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things beyond the scope of just humans. There's a whole nother set of proof, facts, whatever it is, reality uh, out there that has its own explanations. You know, the Big Bang happened the way it happened, whether or not we ever know that that's the way it happened. All right, so there's there's a, there's a set of truths that are inherently ethnocentric, defined by being humans. And we can call those truths, we can call those facts. I'm not going to call them proven. But outside that, there's the real way that it works. So our understanding is some sort of explanation uh, and description of a thing, of a reality, of a phenomena that makes us feel comfortable. And we're able to move forward because we have to move forward. We have to say, what's cancer? So that we can learn how to deal with cancer and move forward. Have we figured out what cancer is? Not really. We certainly don't know how to end it. So there's a need to know things, uh, but there's also a need to move forward. One of the things that a lot of people do is get paralyzed by analyzing. If the first case of cancer came up and we didn't have a very good grasp on moving forward uh, with understanding to actually induce action, then we would still be stuck on trying to figure out what it was and nobody would ever have developed treatments or anybody would have ever received the benefit and all the cancer people People that have cancer would have suffered more and potentially had a higher mortality rate, whatever. Um, So it doesn't really matter if we know what the truth is or what the proof is or what reality is. We have to understand things in order to move forward. Okay, what gets me is when people step outside this idea of consensus and create... Their own truths. It's sort of like going one step further. There's a fundamental truth. There's a human-defined, consensus-based version of what reality is, and then it, and then you can scale all the way down to like individuals and everything in between of what reality is. Uh, and probably, if you wanted to go in between individuals and sort of the species, maybe a religion is a good example of some sort of community level uh, or regional level um, definition of the truth uh, that everybody, some subset of the popul- of the world. Species, population, agrees on whatever. What gets me and what I want to talk about and tell a couple of stories about is when individuals, and it seems like it's happening more lately, come up with their own definition of of what something is or what something means or what the truth is. And that has led to this whole idea of alternate facts. That there can be facts and then there can be alternate facts. And I think fact would be something that uh, applies to this global population-level consensus of what humans think is a truth or a proven uh, reality. That could be a fact. So I I have a problem with that because I think there has to be, well, there exists a fundamental truth that we may or may not be able to understand. There exists a population-wide species explanation about why that is or how that is or how that works or what we want to call it or or do with it, um, that I think is derived through structured thinking like um, consensus through discourse or something like science. And then there's just Joe Blow or Jane Blow coming up with some idea that they just thought, hey, that sounds right, and that's the truth. That's where I have a problem. And I see this happening more and more today. Sidebar, that might be what I'm doing right now. The difference is, I feel like when I have an opinion, I am putting a lot of effort into the knowledge part, learning what other people think, studying that, doing as much research as I probably can to gather the information that exists with all the opposing viewpoints, not just on one news channel, not just from science, not just from whatever discipline. I'm really trying to understand the status quo of Beliefs across the spectrum when I study something and want to know and inform an opinion, and then I'm going to actually apply some of those things into action items and have some experience, and then i'm going to draw a conclusion so what I'm talking about is people with la- lacking both of those two things without a whole lot of knowledge, maybe a very biased single source of information, without much experience or empathy for alternate viewpoints, then coming to some conclusion and calling that wisdom okay so uh, let me check my notes uh, briefly. I had a, a couple of examples, and one is a situation I'm in, and this is, I'll trying to make this brief. the business that I own has rented our location for a, almost a decade, under pretty comfortable terms. but the building uh, hasn't been used since the 1950s. It was built in 1890 it basically set empty and unused for fifty years and it's six thousand square foot and it's on about a half an acre and the market value of that building went down to about forty thousand dollars and it was purchased uh, for that amount of money by someone who thought maybe somebody could use this my brewery business was growing um... and we were sort of didn't have a lot of options and were presented a very attractive tiered leasing terms on this building that was uh, very, very attractive and affordable to us. Uh, And then it scaled up after 10 years to be sort of a normal cost. Um, Under those conditions, even with some money that the owner put into the building, um, they've already made more than their money back over that time. Um, And we've put um, as much money as they've made, over a hundred grand into the building, just to make it usable for our, our purposes with improvements that you can't really get back, like water, we didn't have water, didn't have electricity, um, wiring, all that stuff that we had to do. And now it's gotten to the point where our lease is up and we really didn't know what was going to happen, but the person who owns it, <clears throat> it turns out, has, has views this as, a, as an investment and they're, they're aging and ready to get out of it and, and make some money on it. And I think probably understands that they have us um, in a rough place because if we sort of have to have that building, Or it's going to be a lot of work uh, to move. Anyway, long story short, their version of this story is that they have been very good to us um, and helped us and been assisting a means to an end to make this dream possible for us. And and, uh, contribute to our community with a very meaningful uh, business in in the town um, and is now offering to sell us the building out of the goodness of their hearts. Um, so that we can continue with this effort. unfortunately, the number, the price of the building has not now gone up uh, into the range of what I would almost, and I won't officially say this, but almost a person could interpret it as being extortion, um, because w- without the building, theoretically, we don't have a business anymore. And so why would we not pay as much as we you know a stupid amount of money in order to, to become owners of the building? So there, there presents, you know, and our, our story, of course, is it's not fair. Um, it's, not, it's way higher than, the, than, than, than sort of consensus-based metrics that of our human population um, would agree is too high. Things like appraisals for um, value based on comps in the area, comparable properties, uh, the bank weighing the risk. Of loaning us money and determining what price they think it is—it's their the price the sale price is way higher, three times higher than some of those numbers. Um, so where is this person getting this information, um, and and on, and on what metrics are they basing this? And sort of what, what is their process of arriving at their truth or their facts? Because what we have now is two alternate realities based on different sets of defining criteria. Um, one, again, ours, I think, being defined by the status quo of how you would go about valuing a property. And then another that has, let's just say, and leave it at that, a different set of metrics. There two, the, to the, what I believe, and this will come out in the next few podcasts, I suppose, as an insurmountable conflict that will result in neither party gaining. Because our truths are just so far apart, um, and their unwillingness of either party to um, to uh, obey the alternate truth, so there's there's an example of, of of a conflict. Another example of that is sort of my divorce, and I haven't talked about this yet, but I'll definitely talk about it more. Um, you know, my first marriage ended um, the way it did, and it, and really the story about what happened. Um, is going to differ based on who you talk to. Obviously, there are two sides to every story, right? And maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, long, long story short, my ex-wife's version is I became um, an angry um, pushover doormat in our relationship. Um, as a, and I, my role as a stay-at-home dad and her role as the breadwinner um, was a was a a downward spiral for me as I became a miserable human being to be around uh, because I quit a promising career to stay at home with the kids and was struggling with that. Um, And admittedly, I was struggling with that. Um, Do I agree with that version of the story? Not so much, but it exists, and I feel like I've owned all of my stuff. Um, But anyway, my version of that story is she fell in love with someone else and decided to step out on the marriage to a point where there was no way for her to stay in this marriage, and, and needed to leave for that other person. Um, again, and there is a complete set of alternate realities um, that exist in the world as both of us have moved on with our own lives inside of our own stories. That's bothersome to me, and I've, I've tr- part of my realization about the idea and my appreciation for this phenomenon of alternate facts is this situation. I wrestle with it every day. <clears throat> well, not every day anymore. Life goes on. But what, where is the truth in there? Um, you can literally, there are two almost throughout society as I know it, um, you know, Eastern United States American society, There are people that will go on either side of that and be like, yeah, you're a a real sad case and it was good for her to leave you because you were making her miserable. And there's other people that are like, what she did was completely wrong. I can't believe that happened to you. I'm so sorry. And, and, you know, there's some people in the middle, but for the most case, those two fact, reality, beliefs, truths, whatever exist in the world and are difficult to resolve. Uh, But somewhere... In both of those examples, and I think I have a third, oh yeah, before I move on to that, tasting beer. So as a brewery owner, one of the things I've obsessed my obsess over and I've, and I've observed over the years, both through knowledge and experience, to get some wisdom, is people's um, opinions about beer and how people um, translate those into fact. So a person can say, I don't like this beer. Completely acceptable. Or a person can say, this beer is bad. Not acceptable. Because most people don't have the knowledge or the experience to actually assess whether a beer has quality over a range of good to bad. They can say, I don't like it. Um, and that even even that in and of itself could change because they don't really understand the tasting. Maybe they just smoked a cigarette or maybe they just ate a steak. Or maybe they're coming down with a cold and their ability to perceive flavors has changed. Anyway, when somebody says that beer is bad or that's no good or, you know, um, a derogatory term that uh, addresses some inherent properties of that beer, I get, you know, I don't take it out on people. I try not to be, um, uh, what's the word, Um, pretentious about the whole thing because I understand. But it is a meaningful and important distinction between saying this is an unpleasant experience for me personally versus this thing as it exists outside of me i have feel like i have the wherewithal the knowledge and the experience to assign it a quality a qual- qualitative ana- analytic title really bothers me and I think there, therein lies sort of the, the big picture is that, in in, in all of those cases, the the people that I'm sort of rebelling against or 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 arguing um, for some change is the, the the property owner, my ex-wife, and the beer taster who would assign a quality condition to a beer. That's not an accurate way to live your life um it isn't fair it's self-centered it's narcissistic and it's unempathetic and maybe let's use that it's a lack of empathy for information that exists outside of the self or i don't even know what the self means and that's a whole other podcast but outside of their individual set of perceptions That someone could say, could feel like they have the authority to define a situation or a subject, a phenomena, a thing, holistically is not what humans that live in a community and we all do, should do. It's not the way that we should think. In my opinion, I don't think that is the goal of enlightenment. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't thought this all the way through. This is, like I said, largely stream of consciousness of ideas that I have in my head and trying to formalize them in real time according to an outline. Um, my argument is that there exist qualities in each of those situations that we have... The ability to comprehend and form an opinion, but our opinion is only part of the definition of that noun—person, place, or thing—or whatever it is. Concept it has value, but without understanding other opinions, you have no way of placing yourself in the space that will sort of define the norm and and um, or the the, the popular. Um, determination. And, and I don't know that that's necessarily the right way to do things, but in the realm of the unknown inside the, the sphere of what humans can understand about the world, I think consensus-based actualizations following a discourse, which I'm trying to do with you, of sharing of opinions, of education of all parties involved, what happens, I think, is the points are placed on the in that space and will cluster. And those clusters define where we as a species assess or assign truth or fact or meaning or belief. I don't know if that's right, but I think that's proper. That's how we do it. That's or how how we've traditionally sort of done it, um, I think. um, And then people can then look inside that map and go, well, what do other people think about this subject? Okay, here's where the dots... And then, of course, there's like the bell curve or whatever kind of curve where there's going to be dots outside. um, And maybe everybody's completely wrong. It doesn't matter. But in order to move forward and grow as a species and as individuals, I think we have to do that. I think that's how we do it. So to not... Agree to play that is selfish. It's unfair. It's, it's, it's anti-human in some way because you're just saying, I don't care what anybody else says. I'm going to stick my point over here, and that's the truth. And if you don't agree with me, then go screw yourself. I don't, I don't know. That doesn't help me. That doesn't help me. That doesn't make me feel good about the sacrifices I make to consider that and, and and the sacrifices I think we should make, I think at the at the end of the day it's it's empathy, it's it's empathy and the opposite of what a ego whatever egocentrism is, and just understanding that there are other people, um, and a lot a lot of times those people may believe differently than you, and maybe you don't want to stick your point on this particular issue in that sphere, and you believe, in fact, that's kind of this, the whole point of this podcast. My you know my my belief system is a lot of times I'm not sticking my point in in the same place as other people. But the fact that that other people do is important to consider. And you can't... um, No man... Pardon the the, the gender bias. No man is an island. Um, And this is coming from somebody who struggles to not be an island. Um, I'm very much a lone wolf uh, and feel sort of outside a lot of times, or other. Um, so that, that's, that's interesting. There's that an interesting sort of arrival at a point um, based on this idea of, of alternate facts. And um, sh- Sure, anybody's allowed to have their own opinion. That's not what I'm saying. I don't think that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about some, you know, the overlap between what the real unknowable truth is our interpretation of that and then our individual interpretation of that. Ideally, I think those things ought to at least be on the same trajectory. And the more, the closer we get to placing the human belief limited by our senses and all of that stuff closer to the real thing, the smarter we're going to become, the more enlightened we're going to be, um, the easier I think our lives Will be that. That's that's the impetus behind this um, topic for me is uh, aligning ourselves um, with living the best human life that we possibly can, and that ignoring the popular definition of uh, reality is is an erroneous path. Okay. So let's let's recap, um, if I can. There is a, there are fundamental truths that we'll never know. There are um, um, popular opinions or truths or beliefs or something like facts that aren't aren't necessarily accurate in as much as they define re, real reality beyond our human perception um, that we arrive at every day through consensus ideally, that are also arrived at every day through completely different ways um, that I I think is, um, what I said, an erroneous way of thinking. And certainly when we meet individuals who try to sell us um, something that we don't need, we ought to believe that there's something else going on besides this um, empathetic attempt to define reality. And it's important, I think, as individuals to be able to not be taking advantage of these types of individuals, um, so that we can live the best lives that we can and not fall prey um, and become enablers uh, to uh, another set of rules about what it is to be human. So somewhere in here, I think, is, is, is um, a direction toward being better people and making a better world. And I'd love to hear your opinions on this subject and things I have missed, and maybe I can—that uh, th- would be really cool uh, to hear what you guys think about that. Hopefully, I've made some sense. Uh, that's enough for today. Not sure where I'll go next time, but remember, I've got a blog at chrisburcher.com and I've got a YouTube channel where you'll be able to see these posted about weekly, and I've got podcasts that you'll be able to find on Stitcher. Thanks for your time